0: This holiday season, you can give the gift of promoting liberty by supporting the Cato Daily Podcast on behalf of a friend or family member. If you give $500 on behalf of that friend or loved one, we'll send a replica 1776 Continental dollar and a signed copy of David Bowes' up-to-date statement on libertarianism, The Libertarian Mind. We don't take money from the government, and the vast majority of Cato's support comes from individuals like you. Give the gift of liberty this holiday season and visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to learn more. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 6, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. In the rush to pass tax reform, one change stands out. The end of the individual mandate, sort of. Senate Republicans would like to not eliminate the penalty, but drive it down to zero. And that distinction matters. The Cato Institute's Michael Cannon comments. In the various uh, reform proposals for Obamacare and now in the Senate tax bill, the individual mandate has, in a sense, gone away. In another sense, it's still there, uh, but uh, explain what... the the Senate bill does with respect to the mandate and why this distinction about between getting rid of it and reducing it to zero is important.
1: So Obamacare imposed this individual mandate, which really had two parts. It said you shall purchase health insurance. And then the second part is if you don't purchase health insurance, there will be this penalty. And if Republicans wanted to get rid of both parts of the mandate, the Senate parliamentarian says you would need 60 votes in the Senate because you can't. Touch that first part through the special reconciliation process that allows you to change budget numbers with just 50 votes in, or 51 votes instead of. See, the 60 votes necessary to overcome a Democratic filibuster. So what Republicans are doing through this – the Senate Republicans are doing through this reconciliation bill is they're taking that second part, the penalty, and they're zeroing it out. There's a complicated formula that determines your penalty if you don't buy health insurance, but they're just going to make that penalty zero for everybody. So there will still be a part of federal law that says you shall buy health insurance. But then if you don't, you have to pay a penalty of zero dollars. So there's really no mandate as such. However, this also means that when Democrats take over Congress, if they want, they can, by just 51 votes in the Senate, increase that mandate penalty amount. And so we will have an individual mandate again. They won't have to marshal the 60 votes that they needed to marshal in order to pass Obamacare just to increase this or, or to reinstate
0: the mandate. Now, it, it jumped out at me when I, I heard that this, the Senate bill didn't get rid of it but simply reduced it to uh, zero uh, because when you think about changing federal laws and trying to make uh, a change in federal law more longstanding, you, re- you remove the statutes that authorize those things if you, want it, if you want it to stick. So why do you view this as a good thing that this is the way they're doing it?
1: Well, it's certainly not an ideal thing because ideally Congress would get rid of Obamacare entirely. Short of that, they would repeal the individual mandate, both parts, root and branch, so that um, it's gone. It's a good thing because, first of all, there is this penalty in federal law that says if you don't buy a government-designed health insurance plan, we're going to take some of your money and that is wrong. The government should never have the power – uh, to force you to buy health insurance or any other private product uh, because that is uh, well infringes on your freedom. It's also so subject to abuse that it will happen over and over again if you allow the government to do it. In the case of Obamacare, it's particularly important to get rid of this penalty because – What it does is the individual mandate helps to hide the cost of the rest of Obamacare, in particular the rules that say to insurance companies, you have to cover people with preexisting conditions. There's a reason insurance companies won't do that voluntarily. It's because the premiums that would be required to cover someone uh, with pre-existing conditions are even more expensive than the medical care those people need. So it just doesn't make economic sense to do it. But the gov- Obamacare is telling insurance companies, you've got to cover those people. So you've got this these huge premiums, these huge obligations that the government is requiring insurance companies to assume. And then what Obamacare does is rather than subsidize those high premiums directly, it it tries to hide those premiums. Partly by telling insurance companies you can't charge the uh, sick more than you charge the healthy, which means they have to increase premiums for the healthy, which is one way they hide those uh, high premiums for the sick. And then to force people to – they also provide uh, government subsidies to insurance companies. So it's not just the healthy people paying those premiums. Uh, But then uh, the individual mandate forces younger and healthier enrollees to pay those inflated premiums and the individual mandate therefore helps to hide the exorbitant, uh, the really high premiums uh, or the cost of covering all those people with pre-existing conditions. If you get rid of the individual mandate, people have the freedom not to purchase uh, health insurance at those inflated prices with all those hidden taxes packed in and therefore the the insurance companies can spread the cost of all of that mandated coverage for people with preexisting conditions across fewer people. The premiums in the exchanges will rise to more closely track exactly you know the cost of what the government wants the insurance companies to do, and uh, that makes that cost more transparent, and that's a good thing. And also the pre or the uh, the premium subsidies that. The federal government will be paying to insurance companies uh, on behalf of low and moderate income people in the exchanges. They will rise as premiums rise. So the government will be paying or more of the cost of all that coverage for people with pre-existing conditions will appear in the government's budget instead of hidden in the premiums of uh, young and healthy enrollees. And so eliminating the individual mandate is actually a transparency measure because it reveals the cost of what Obamacare is requiring health insurance companies to do, and the reason that Obamacare uh, supporters oppose repealing the mandate is because they don't want transparency. They don't want people to see how much this costs because as one of Obamacare's architects explained after the law passed and when he thought the world wasn't listening, he explained that if voters could see what Obamacare does, it never would have passed. It would have been so unpopular, even more Democrats would have voted against it, which was really an admission that it's an undemocratic law and that it never had the political support necessary uh, uh, in, in order to pass or it wouldn't – because it wouldn't have if people knew what, what they were doing. That's why they fear repealing the mandate or zeroing out the penalty because people will see what Obamacare does and that will actually build support for repealing the entire thing.
0: Is there any uh, political appetite for making it transparent the subsidies that people who otherwise would have very high cost uh health insurance plans uh well not to per get? se not per
1: se because remember if you uh if if you if you make the subsidies transparent more transparent um, you're also making the taxes more transparent and no one uh, wants to be the person who passes a law that causes your taxes to go up or even your premiums to go up, um, they'll they'll do it, but they'd, they'd prefer not to. The reason that there's so much support for repealing the individual mandate, which would have that effect, is that it is uh, an unprecedented use of the, of the commerce power. Uh, the Supreme Court even said it's an unconstitutional use of the commerce power. And then they said, oh, but we'll leave it on the books because Congress could have called it something else. And uh, and it is one and it's one of the taxes in Obamacare, uh, and so eliminating that, you know, Republicans are essentially zeroing out a tax, uh, and and so that's why they'll take this step that will have the
0: effect of raising premiums. It's because uh, they're not directly uh, increasing premiums. Why was this a part of the Senate plan and not the House plan? If it was, if this a near identical provision was so popular in. Uh, so-called Obamacare repeal bills going back several years? Well, because this is a – Congress is
1: right now putting together tax reform bills, and uh, health care was not foremost on the minds of House Republicans when they were putting their bill together. Uh, I doubt there, there's any really serious opposition to including the uh, individual mandate repeal. Maybe I think that maybe some people wanted to hold off on that until they had another bite at the apple uh, with a, with a health care bill – uh, maybe the 2019 reconciliation bill which will they'll start working on in April but um i doubt that there will be any serious opposition to the house adopting the senate's
0: uh, zeroing out of that mandate penalty but we'll see so so what changes when the uh individual mandate goes away uh you know what are the second order effects that we should expect both uh politically and as a matter of policy so the Congressional Budget Office
1: estimates that about five or six uh, million people, the number you – know, gr- small but grows over time, uh, w- will stop purchasing insurance through Obamacare's health insurance exchanges. That's where most of the action is going to happen. Uh, if you repeal the mandate, some people will stop enrolling in the Medicaid program. That actually saves the government money. Uh, some people will stop enrolling in employer-sponsored insurance uh, and – uh, that actually brings more revenue into the federal government because they're exempting less revenue from taxes. But it's in the exchanges where the mandate will have its biggest effect. When you get about five or so million people who, who are no longer purchasing insurance through, through the exchanges because there's no more, no longer any penalty for not purchasing insurance, those five million or so people are going to be generally healthy. When they leave the exchanges, the risk pools in the exchanges are going to get sicker on average. That means that insurance companies will have to increase their premiums uh, to uh, – and this is what I described before. They'll have fewer people across which to spread the cost of those expensive people with preexisting conditions. So uh, premiums for everyone in the exchanges are going to rise. And that is also what I described, the more of that cost becoming apparent and and being revealed to people in the exchanges. The Congressional Budget Office says premiums will rise an additional – 10 percentage points per year if you get rid of the individual mandate. Now they'd already been rising at a, a rate of 19% per year the CBO says in 2018 they'll rise by an average of 15% but HHS says it's more like 37% and uh and then uh, and then that 10% increase from re- Zeroing out the mandate penalty would be on top of that. So we're talking about really dramatic premium increases. And then what happens? Well, more insurance companies might say, you know what? We don't have enough people enrolling uh, in order to cover all of these costs. So we're just going to leave the market in about half the counties, almost half the counties in the United States right now. All the insurance companies except for one have left the exchanges so that people in those counties have only one insurance company from which to choose and we could see more of that uh, throughout uh, the United States. We could see some counties where where the market completely collapses and no insurance company is willing to sell insurance anymore and uh, that again is an indication of um, how unpopular Obamacare's uh, pre-existing conditions provisions are because the premiums will have risen so much that there's not enough people won't pay those premiums insurance companies won't provide that coverage. And Congress did not have the political support that would have been necessary to keep the market afloat uh, in in that in that eventuality. And so uh, those are the second and maybe even third order effects.
0: Are there any other provisions in the tax bill that will reduce stress for people trying to secure and uh, have coverage that they can afford? Um, unfortunately,
1: not really, because you're not going to make health insurance more affordable for the vast uh, bulk of the public until you get rid of Obamacare's regulations, in particular, the preexisting conditions provisions, the mandates that you purchase all of what the government considers essential health benefits. It's not until you get rid of those things that you'll begin to see premiums drop, and they could drop by 50% or more for Uh, the vast majority of people in Obamacare's exchanges. Uh, There are things in the tax bill that will make it easier for people to afford health care. For example, if you get a tax cut, that's going to make it easier for you to afford the medical care that you need. At the same time, there is, they would eliminate a deduction for medical expenses in excess of uh, 10% of your adjusted gross income. So people who have low incomes or uh, very Costly illnesses who had been using that tax deduction will see their taxes go up some may, that may or may not be offset by other reductions in their taxes. And um, and those are really the, the, the big ticket items uh, when it
0: comes to health care. Michael Cannon directs health policy studies at the Cato Institute. This holiday season, support the Cato podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by visiting cato.org slash podcast sponsor and learn more about the benefits of sponsorship. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor.